Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Umlink, Energy Speaks Back, powered by Esther Energy. My name's Paul Webb. I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm your host. Weekly, in partnership with the Energy Conscious team, we are going to be bringing you knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. Boomlink.com are the proud sponsors of ENCO. And the strategy that we're developing now aims to engage, equip, empower organizations and energy professionals to enable significant energy savings through people. The ENCO initiative integrates employee engagement with technical opportunities to reduce energy consumption, costs, and carbon emissions to accelerate the journey to net zero emissions. This has all been brought together by Esther Energy and the Energy Institute. So Umlink is dedicating its spotlight to share the ENCO story to the world. This is episode 77 of Umlink Energy Speaks Back, powered by Esther Energy. And my special guest today is an ENCO practitioner who was once the energy manager for Heathrow Airport. So without any further ado, I give you James Britton. Good morning, James, and how are you today? Very well, Paul, thank you. Very well. Great. Sun's Great. shining. I can see the sun is shining. It's not quite shining here. I've got, we've got a lot of wind here in the Essex area at the moment. What, have you got this wind that's currently uh, on its way? No. So I'm down in the um, southwest of the UK, in the lovely green county of uh, of Devon. And would you believe that the sun always shines down here? So uh, we're very I fortunate. That. I can believe that. You've got an amazing climate down there. Great. Yeah, amazing. Uh, amazing place to live, to be honest. You know, I live here with Ali, my wife. Um, we've got two um, quite bolsterous sort of uh, young boys, Jack and Barney. And we're in easy striking distance of of Dartmoor, you know, various beaches and the like. So, um, right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that finishes that conversation it. from my jealousy. <laughs> uh, have you lived lived in that area long, James? Um, well, we've been in this place for about ten years. We um, came down about twelve years ago um, when I left Heathrow, set up my own business. Um, where we lived seemingly was um, was sort of not really that important because I was going to you know use the train um, and uh, effectively set up a consultancy business. Um, but uh, we had various connections down here, and in a previous role, I I was involved in sustainable tourism. So a lot of our suppliers um, were based in Totnes, which is our local town. Um, so in South Devon, in the South Hams, and. Um, and then, uh, yeah, two small boys happened to us. So we thought, wow, what a great, you know, what a great place to bring them up. Um, you know, ironically, they're very homely. So, so they love just being, <laughs> they love just being at home. So, so our challenge is to, you know, try and try and get them outside. You know, get involved yeah. and, you know, got various sort of quite mad projects going on here. But uh, we're very lucky. We've got a lot quite, we're in the countryside, so we've got lots of space. So, uh, so any consolations, I had two young boys and now two big boys yeah. and they forget about the home. And when they get late teens, they even forget about their parents to a certain <laughs> extent because they're out. They get their wings. They, these wings suddenly come from Amazon. 
and they put yeah. these wings on and they go. Um, and then you get the occasional, but if you don't hear nothing, you know, they're all right. That's yes. what I've always said, yes. you know? Um, but yeah, the, so the good news is James, you've got some good times coming, but some great <laughs> times now, if that makes sense. <laughs> the, James, I've been, um, I've been doing your training uh, with <laughs> the team on, on Enco. And obviously I've seen some of your presentations, which I'd like to touch on later on uh, in this podcast. Okay. But, yeah. but the benefit of our audience today um, could you give us some background and tell us your origin story? Um, okay, so I'm a chartered engineer. Um, I'm a chartered engine manager. Um, been in the industry, crikey, way on, you know, 25 or so years. Um, majority of that I've specialised in energy and sustainability management. Um, and, yeah, my early part of the career, to be honest, I was, I was very fortunate. I had quite a broad um, set of experiences um, in the industry, um, probably kicking off with sort of building services, working, you know, in sort of FM operational, you know, support worlds, um, design and uh, construction. Um, I've dabbled and, and, and worked in renewable energy systems, um, sustainable tourism, I just mentioned, and the like. So, um, so I, you know, I think that was very crucial to who I am now. Um, but it probably wasn't, um, well, like most of us in the industry in that period, I was very much um, trained to focus in on technology and big projects when it came to saving energy. And it probably wasn't until I was the energy manager of Heathrow Airport, so a good 10 years ago or so now, that, um, that I actually began to appreciate that it's all about people. It's about behaviour change. And quite often the secret is to be able to blend your technical and people-based solutions with really simplistic targeted management trolls alongside. Um, so that's why I set up my business. My current business is called the Discovery Mill um, and it's why we do what we do. Um, so we specialize in what we call um, energy and sustainability management through people. Um, we work with quite a large cross section of different types of clients, um, but you know, with behavior change in mind, whatever the sector, we find um, the same principles sort of very much apply. Um, so I spent quite a lot of my life, certainly after the last 10 years or so with the Discovery Mill, supporting organisations. Um, quite often it starts with strategy around energy and sustainability management. But um, I love sort of rolling up my sleeves, getting, you know, getting very hands on as well. And, um, you know, for me, that's sort of quite critical. Um, so whether that's training, um, whether it's sort of facilitating pop up events or whatever, you know, obviously depending on the type of organisation um, and the like. But um, but you know, yeah, you know, for you know the the, the issue we've got in the industry really is um, um, is part of the reason why I do what I do is that very you know um, relatively very few organisations are really embracing um, you know sort of behaviour change. And, um, you know, we know it's, um, you know, half of the opportunity out there, but most organisations spend the majority of their time focusing on technology. So quite frankly, you know, they're sort of missing out on the, um, you know, on the opportunity, which, um, you know, find quite frustrating. So, you know, part of what I do, and it has been, to be honest, all the, all, you know, for all the whole period I've, I've been working with Discovery Mill, is uh, collaborating on an industry level. Um, so working with the likes of Jez and John, yourself, um, and really, you know, trying to, you know, promote the opportunities um, 
and you know galvanize the industry to a greater extent than ever before because it's you know it's urgent that we need to do this exactly um so one of the so one of the um initiatives that i've been involved in and i've been involved in a number and i'm still involved in a number is is enco so enco um as on your uh, background um stands for the energy um conscious organization um it's led up by esta so the energy services technology association um and supported by the energy institute um here in the uk so this is why i guess i'm here you know today of course you're here so. because of that we need to promote <laughs> and you, you know you, you hit the nail on the head it's 50 percent of what we can do and it, it not only is it 50 percent there's for me i don't think there's any cost there's cost to business regarding management side of it but there's no cost to actually implement this this is the the low-hanging fruit approach to energy management as far as i'm concerned yeah 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 no exactly it's some some organizations get it, you know. Yeah. So as you alluded to, you know, I've, I've worked with, you know, Heathrow, um, being very privileged to work with Heathrow for, for over 12, you know, 13 years in, in all parts, you know. So part of the operation, you know, the development, um, you know, I was very privileged to be part of the Terminal 2 development, um, do a lot of work with retailers, business partners, you know, across the airport and the like. And um, so organizations like Heathrow, they get that people solutions need to be part of what we do. Um, and, you know, typically us energy specialists, you know, we're, we're, we're employed to help these guys with their headache of delivering, you know, energy decarbonisation targets um, and the like. But the organisations need to get that people solutions need to be at the heart of that, um, you know, at the heart of that, that solution. Let's take, I'd like to touch on two areas of, of you know, <clears throat> it, as you mentioned before, it, it's all organisations this can uh, benefit, but let's go from one end to the other end. So let's talk about Heathrow, a massive organisation, significant amounts of property um, spread across loads of different areas with different terminals, different stakeholders, different people coming in. You've got concessions, you know, where do you start? Is there a, a magic wand to say you need to start here? Yeah, you're right. You know, Heathrow is great because it's got all types of, you know, property, buildings, infrastructure, processes, you know, industrial processes and the like, you know. So, mm. you know, for me, the starting point is, um, as I was just alluding to, to be honest, is that recognition that people's solutions are, you know, need to be a heart of, you know, of, of, of the strategy. And there are a number of reasons for that. You know, people's solutions are, quite often one of the quickest, most cost-effective ways of delivering carbon savings at scale. Um, you know, other organisations or organisations like Heathrow get the fact that if you invest in behaviour change, you effectively right-size your subsequent investments in technology and energy systems. And also, very importantly, you um, assure the legacy benefits of, um, of, um, of the investments that you've made. But the starting point within that which I think maybe is getting to, is that they recognise that the problem or opportunity, as they see it, is the fact that our organisations are hugely wasteful in the way that we use energy. Um, You know, some people call it avoidable waste or whatever, but you just have to, you know, open up your eyes, walk around, even the most efficient organisations. And you see it at places like Heathrow still very much, you know, the the, the examples of waste. So lighting is very obvious you know, it's in your face, but a lot of it is, um, you know, is very hidden. 
And um, and there's lots of evidence out there to demonstrate that that's, you know, you know, inevitable in all our organisations at the moment. So the starting point has to be avoidable waste. That's what it's about. Whether it's visible or non-visible. And from, yeah, the, from yeah. an assessment point of view, I always, because I do some coaching and uh, with other assessors and I say to them, look, every door, open every door, <laughs> scratch yeah, yeah. everything, look for the hidden opportunities because there, there will be. Yeah, I was in a hotel in um, Dundee and there was this plant room and it, it sort of alluded that there was some form of electronic equipment behind it. The guy said, we've never opened that door. All it was was a padlock. He went and got a hacksaw. We hacksawed the padlock off. Behind there was a brand new CHP that never, ever been turned on. Yeah. It's that sort of thing that we're, we're trying to engage with the organisation and the energy assessors doing this work. Yeah, yeah. I've had numerous similar experiences. You know, um, the classic for me is lighting control head ends. Right. You, you open up a door and you discover a head end for a lighting control system that is filled with alarms that no one knew was there. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I think, you know, a key point for me, and this is why, you know, you know the approach that I um, advocate is getting the right person to open the door. Um, and historically, it's been, you know, us energy specialists that open the door and go, oh, it gets a bit of kick there. Oh, that's great. We'll make sure it's as efficient as possible. Yeah. But for me, you need to involve everyone across the organisation, particularly those who are closest to the service associated with that, you know, that area of whatever it is you're looking at, because they'll know whether the thing behind the door is needed or not. Um, So they're closest to the customer. And, you know, they're the guys who can really help, you know, open your eyes, um, you know, sort of with avoidable waste. Um, So it needs to be operational. You need to have an operational focus on it, really. And then take it back to the finance director or the person paying all the bills and say, look, cost savings payback. This is what we need to then put apply to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's a whole host of evidence we can draw on, um, you know, to help do that. Because quite often as an energy specialist, you know, the director wants to see third party verification. And this is a you know, key element of, um, of ENCO, really. But. You know, um, you're probably familiar with the Better Buildings Partnership, for example. So they've been looking at UK offices and their research has found that on average, if I remember this rightly, the average UK office consumes two to three times more energy than the equivalent offices in Melbourne, Australia. Exactly the same sort of climate. Mm. And the best offices in Melbourne are five to six times more efficient, you know, and um, uh, you know, so Amory Lovins, I don't know if you're familiar with Amory Lovins from yeah. Rocky Mountain Institute in the US. Um, you know, he wrote a book which partly inspired me back in the 1990s called Factor Four. It's full of examples of, you know, in our society, things that consume at least four times more energy than they need to be. And, you know, we had the technology back in the 1990s. We've still got the technology. The challenge here is not technology, it's behavioural. And part of that behavioural is thinking about convincing the director who's going to sign off, you know, what you're going to do, as well as the guys on the ground who are actually going to make, you know, sort of champion the change. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things that I was impressed with your presentation you did for the ENCO um, Academy recently was the, the, the conversation around bringing the teams together and, and empowering people, which I really like. And I think that for me, is, is another key factor to what we're trying to key up here, is the empowering the individual. 
Yeah. How how would you go about doing that? I know my ways of doing that. What's what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think it needs to start, and this is sort of you know with Enco. Um, you know, we're targeting the energy specialist first because they are the gurus in this process. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, the starting point empowering people is to to work with you know the the, the energy specialists or the energy managers and organisations, and and for you know, for us, because a lot of us are engineers, to realise that we need help with stuff. And yeah. um, and it's very natural for us to avoid behaviours and people out there. Um, and it, to, to be honest, it's sort of like a, you know, a human trait, really, you know. Um, so, um, you know, I saw on your LinkedIn profile, actually, um, Paul, that you, um, you follow, um, oh, what's his name? Tony Robbins, the US yeah. life coach. So if I remember rightly, Tony Robbins would say that to avoid pain, people need certainty. Um, and, you know, the problem is that, you know, in the industry, there's a lack of um, awareness around the certainty of this sort of, you know, people type solutions. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, first of all, is to empower the people within organisations is to actually work with and target the energy specialists particularly around their facilitation skills and the like. So that's sort of why that's been a key part of the strategy of ENCO. So through the training um, programmes you, you, you mentioned, um, and also, um, you know, by all of us swapping and sharing experiences, you know, to how make that work. And, um, and the guys effectively to get out to do it, they need to get out and talk to and listen um, to the guys, you know, on the ground and understand what's going to, um, um, you know, what's going to improve their capability, opportunity and motivation of, uh, you know, to try and get the guys more involved because it will be different for every organisation. So you've got to think of, of that before you think of the more tactical approaches that you use to, um, to empower people. And um, so ultimately, you know, the guys need to sort of get out there, speak to the guys on the ground and plan that behavioural change strategy. And the vehicle that we've helped to enable them to do that is called the ENCO matrix. So that's sort of how the ENCO matrix fits in. Does that, and then you need to apply your empowerment, facilitation, engagement techniques to each of the pillars of the matrix. Um, you know, yeah, so I'll give you some examples on that, but yeah. Yeah, so I see what you're saying. So basically, we, yeah, because yeah, you, you need to sit down with the organisation so they understand. And I normally, with that matrix, I would try to get the organisation to answer where they think they are and then you say where you where they are as well so you work with them around the print there for me it's taking it back to the principles of what we're trying to achieve here um and then benchmarking it to take it forward and then touching on um the points you were saying there as well but um from the expert you know we are engineers if you say to an engineer i want you to become a salesperson whoa hold on a minute I'm an engineer. I do, I do black and white things. Yeah, <laughs> I don't do yeah. the grey and the colour stuff. So it's we need to encourage experts to become salespeople. That's why I sometimes interview um, experts in sales on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, I've yeah. I've done the background. I've done sales courses. I've in I've come through a corporate um, career through the likes of Trend, who are now Honeywell. And to get on in a career like that, you have to do sales. Salespeople are successful in those sorts of, 
of businesses. So I've had to learn sales. And by learning the sell, you know, the Dale Carnegie's of this world, I've had to go through all that process. And I'm finding that all those tools I picked up in them days to help me do selling is really fundamental with what I'm doing today. So when I walk around a building, I engage with everyone, the cleaner, the security staff, the, the receptionist, everyone is, and just showing them my badge, energy manager. I'm here to, you know, first day they see me, okay, there's this guy walking around as an energy manager. Then it's, oh, there's Paul, the energy manager. Then, oh, here comes the energy manager. He's going to tell us to turn the lights off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. already you're, you're putting that sort of message across. And I think something like that would just reduce the energy by 1%. That's just empowering those people to start thinking about that, uh, in my own personal opinion. And then the expert starts to kick in because you then start to step it. You know, I've yeah. had so many people come to me. I, I've done an exhibition recently, um, Emix. And had this woman come on the stand. She was the procurement manager. She said, my boss has told me oh, we've got to be net zero by this date. I don't know how to do it. He says, I've got to go and put a load of solar on the roof. Right. Okay. Let's take a step back. <laughs> Energy management yeah. is a journey. We need to yeah. map the journey out. And this is how I would approach it. Yeah. No, it's, it's just taking people back. Don't jump yeah. straight yeah. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think one of the issues we've got, and interestingly, you know, making me think is that what you've just described for me is what we all should be doing. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you take the UK, so quite often that journey for an organisation might start with an energy audit, and we've sort of encouraged that. Yeah. So we have um, in the UK, um, it's mandatory, um, as you all know, but for listeners out there potentially, you know, it's mandatory for large organisations to conduct an energy audit every four years. Now, energy specialists are absolutely key in that process. Yeah. It's called ESOS, and they're called ESOS lead assessors. Um, but, you know, what's shocking from the ESOS reports is very few of them mention the sorts of things you just talked about. Exactly. Very few. There's hardly anything on behaviour change or engagement. Um, and it's very easy, um, I think, for us engineers, because a lot of us are engineers, to go out and, you know, identify the tech stuff that gets in there. Yeah. Um, but we've sort of, yeah, you know, um, as I was saying earlier, the sort of behaviour is a bit uncertain, so we just don't go there. Ironically, actually, Tony Robbins talks about to be happy as an individual, you need to have uncertainty in your life. <laughs> and that comes down, you know, there's challenges around people's sort of behaviours yeah. and... Um, you know, and, and involving people, but that's what makes it so interesting. You know, maybe we'll come to that more in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But the point I'm trying to make here is that, um, oh, God, I've lost my line of thought, but, but the point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, there's lots of opportunity out there, you know, for the guys to go at if they use the approach you've just described, and that's to go out, speak to the people on the ground and reduce that uncertainty, you know, um, speak to the guys who are quite frankly you know, the specialists and what they do. And that quite often is operations. And, you know, an ENCO, for ENCO, we, um, quite modestly in my opinion, but typically this is what I'll do with my clients as well, we're, you know, we're, we target at least 10% from, um, you know, behaviour change. So additional savings from behaviour change, um, which, um, you know, which just gives you something to go at. So it's a bit more than the 1% or 2%. And that's sort of part of the problem we've got is because it's, People have in mind it's one or two yeah. percent. They then think, oh, I'm not going to prioritize that. 
yeah. but it's it's actually much bigger than that and you know the likes of john and jez and yourself i know you know we've had our eyes open to this and mm. you know you alluded to a conversation that i once had with jez he related a story and i said well yeah exactly that was you know that was my eye opener yeah. and you know quite often you know i talk about heath robes it was my eye opener Jez talks about, you know, Rolls-Royce because it was his eye-opener, etc. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that's part of the challenge is working with these guys um, and overcoming that certainty issue. Um, and, um, you know, we, you know, we feel as part of the sort of the ENCO sort of team that we need to create 50 to 100 case studies of people doing exactly what you just described to make this work and they need to be you know m- you know need to be measured and verified verified in terms of the savings they produce exactly. you currently got 14 you know right. in this um so we feel you know as one of our sort of mission if you like was to create a decent bank of case studies so people are much more aware of what you've just described you know just talked yeah. about and yeah. um so we can get it into the business cases or the energy audits which then flow into the energy strategies and plans of the organizations um so that's why our sort of mission is 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 energy specialist focused for enco um and you know crikey the opportunity is enormous <laughs> exactly so yeah james we talk about um he froze the the big boulder and rock that you've yeah. you know, managed to get going and when when it gets going it, it runs along nicely um obviously we need to then go back on a regular basis to keep the boulder going because we know what boulders do when they stop they just stop yeah yeah um so that's the big organizations we could use this methodology across all organizations yeah how do we approach the smaller and the smes of this world which really need our support currently yeah well you know and i um you know, for me, I totally agree. And this is one of the reasons why, in my mind, we designed the ENCO matrix to be what it looks like. Um, and as you just described, it's visual. It's actually based, I don't know if you're familiar, um, on a, um, something called the energy management matrix. I think first came about certainly in the UK back yeah, in the 1990s. I've still got that. I'm a, yeah. I've still got that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and lots of people still use it, actually, as part of their yeah. energy audits. But I use it. I, I use it. Yeah, but they're not, it's not used in the way that, it, you know, in my mind, it should be. But yeah. it was part of the making a corporate commitment campaign originally. Um, so it was designed to be a behavioural tool. Um, and um, so the fact that it's very visual means that you can sit down quite easily with a non-specialist, okay, an MD of a small organisation, and use it as a way of, of facilitating a conversation about where do you think you are now? Where do you think you're going to be? in a few years time, you know, I'm doing the work with a supermarket at the moment, sitting down with the store manager, great way to, to, you know, to have the conversation. Then you can dive in on the particular pillars of the matrix, which allow them to make change. And quite often with small organizations, they might be very good at some things, you know, quite often empowerment, for example, you mentioned is not actually a major issue for a small organization, but quite often is for a large organization. So it allows you to take that holistic approach, you know, and dive in. Um, Engagement has to be, you know, the lead. And that's the first thing on the pillar. Um, And, you know, you need to get to a point where everyone in the organization is engaged. So, you know, that, you know, leader, top manager within that organization and what we might call the significant energy users, the guys who are responsible for the consumption of the organization, but ultimately it needs to be everyone, particularly 
for a small organization you know and um so communications i think you know absolutely fundamental for all of the you know whatever type and you know my colleague john will say that um you know even small organizations we've been talking about this for years and years in the uk you know um everyone you know has seen this before you know and our problem is that quite often particularly the sort of you know the government-led campaigns maybe but you know won't go there you know generally the campaigns are quite dull quite uninspiring you know so everyone's got you know a sort of inbuilt veto of their inaction you know and that's effectively what they do in smes more so you know they don't you know they see it not being core business you know so we need to talk the language of sustainable development you know optimizing getting the best out of the assets a small business has got, you know, optimising across all your objectives, including, you know, costs, you know, which is a key one. Small businesses particularly focus on customer service. So it's sort of moving away from that single focus to costs, environmental impact. Reputation is getting more important around this as well. Um, you know, so I see engagement as being a fundamental, um, particularly in small organisations. You mentioned a word there, dare I say it, beginning with G, the government. Um, and we've, you know, <laughs> we want to go me, there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to be arrested soon. But um, yeah. ESOS, absolutely, I'm an ESOS lead assessor. I really love the process. It's very stressful at the end of it because we're cramming everything in to get that to that deadline. But then you get to the deadline and you don't have to do nothing about it. Yeah. That yeah, frustrates yeah. me so much. And yeah. Legislation good, but I've written an article about this. Legislation hasn't got no teeth. You know, we need teeth. We need some grit into this to make things happen. I know we're trying to get that through this next um, sort of phase as such, but it does need some some grit behind it. And in addition to that, we've got legislation for the major energy user groups, but not for the SMEs. We need to see that across the board. The SMEs probably a bigger part of the energy that we're um, on the demand that it is you know in total really we need to focus on all these areas yeah you know particular uh, you know I, yeah you need a carrot and a stick you know ultimately but i'm for small organizations i'm more in favor of the carrot to be honest yes um incentivization going back to the what what is this about we're trying to get people to be alert to you know, avoidable waste within their organisations. And it's huge. You know, we've covered that. Um, every single person, from my mind, within an organisation has to champion energy and sustainability as part of what they do every day. But it needs to be positive, not negative for me, you know. So, um, you know, if it's, if it's negative, if there's teeth with this, the problem you get is that people begrudgingly do it. So actions become frosty actions, Sustainability is quite overwhelming, particularly for all small organisations, yeah. So my concern is that, you know, people in small organisations will down, you know, just reject what needs to be done, you know. So we need to make it positive. So incentivization, okay. Um, I think lots of people can, you know, as an industry, we spend far too much of our time counting carbon. We should be doing more action, particularly for smaller organisations. So it needs to be carefully thought about. And ultimately, I have five principles that I work to. And this is the basis, you know, because I will cut up large organisations into small, you know, yeah. areas. That's how I work. Yeah. Um, got to make it local. You know, it's key. Small organisations that you tick that box already. 
You've got to make it focused. You know, you've got to make it desirable. So that's the positive bit. As we know, it needs to be continual, you know, but most importantly, it's got to be owned by the people, you know, involved in it, you know, and, um, you know, so I'm in favour of incentivisation, but it's got to be, um, you know, it's got to be intrinsic as well as extrinsic. You've got to, it's got to come from, you've got to work with people's hearts and minds. They've got to get it. Otherwise, you know, the problem is the incentivisation falls away. You lose the good stuff. You can over rely on incentivization. So yeah. I think it does need to be carefully thought about. Um, do you think the government could be doing more? That's where I'm going with the teeth side of it. Do you think they could yeah, be doing yeah, more for yeah. this? Um, so one of the one of the um, um, when, when when we sat down and laid out the mission for Enco, we laid out a number of things. Okay, and we've made some great strides on this. You know, so. Um, you know, we want to engage energy um, professionals, um, specialists. That was a sort of key part. Of it. We wanted to do some campaigns. You know, we produced the video. We wanted to, you know, so I think we've got 160 odd guys have been through that training course that you mentioned, which is, you know, which is great. Um, we've got loads of resources on the website, you know, CPD learning modules and the like. But the thing we've not quite got to, um, there's an element around promoting organisations when we come to that in a minute. Um is that we wanted to work with government and we have been working with government actually consistently over the last three years, having very, you know, constructive conversations in some ways with Bayes, the cabinet office, you know, trying to encourage them to, 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 to lead by example through, you know, doing something within the government, the state. Um, but one of the, the, the ideas that was on the table was, you know, particularly as FITS feed-in tariffs were falling away in the UK, was to take that mechanism and make it almost into a non-consumption tariff, you know, provide a kickback for non-consumption. And we have the M&V skills now, you mm-hmm. know, processes to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think there may be something in that, you know, clearly we need to work with government in the way that makes sense to them. Energy is yeah. currently in, the, in the, the Department of Business. So it's quite often all about technology and patents and competitiveness and stuff, you know, so yes government can be doing more <laughs> yeah. so yeah. before we get ourselves into too much trouble uh james um yeah, what like to, we've come to that stage uh, of the podcast where um i'm seeking for you to see if there's something you can give back to our industry as a takeaway yeah um so you, you mentioned that at the beginning I, I sort of jotted down a couple of um thoughts you know so the first one for me is um, you know, the power of, of what a lot of people call the energy and sustainability champion. You know, I see them as a key connector, someone to connect up all those everyday champions that I was talking about. You know, everyone who needs to think about energy and sustainability is part of what they do every day. They need to be coordinated and to get over the engagement and, the, you know, raise the alertness and, the, you know, develop skills and the like. You need to have some people in place who are the change makers. And for me, they are the heroes of this process, you know. So for me, I work, you know, you know, a lot with them, you know, when I get down. And I think that's a key thing that um, that we can all do more um, as an industry. So, you know, for me, the successes that I've had at Heathrow and other case studies like Vanderlander on the NK website have been down to those, you know, energy sustainability champions. Um, but I'm a real believer in you know we can learn from each other you know and this is what this is about your podcast exactly. which is, you know, exactly. which is great 
And, uh, and you know, ENCO is about that, you know, across um, really fundamentally. So the ENCO Academy, the idea of that is to get professionals to swap and share experiences. Um, you know, another initiative that, you know, we launched last year um, um, that is complementary for me, you know, to ENCO is, um, and it's based around collaborative branding when we work with others. So the Big Green Academy, but that's aimed at those sort of energy sustainability everyday champions and trying to encourage a sort of similar sort of dynamic, obviously in a different way, because they're not professionals, they're not specialists, um, you know, to try and, you know, support each other and get the message out there. You know, so for me, those two things are, um, are fundamental to the way that I try and approach what I do that, yeah, I, I feel can help all of us. So, um, James, where, where are we going now? What's the future for ENCO? Um, I know we've we've done the training. We're now all meeting regularly on the academy, which I really enjoy. We'll get together, and that that group's growing and growing and growing. Where are we going now with ENCO now? Yeah, so, um, you know, and it's been great, you know, in terms of, you know, 2021 particularly has been a big step forward. 2022, for me, is a big shout out to organisations to get on board with this. Um and as you know, we've got a sort of a registration of ENCO organisations. Um, we've got the first couple now who are on board, Rolls-Royce and, and Trinity School. Um, and, uh, but we need a big shout out to, to raise that awareness of people approaches. And, and by coming a registered ENCO organisation, organisations can demonstrate, and it's externally you know, verified, that their energy management processes have that very important people sort of component to it um you know and ultimately you know for us enco organizations are you know they're more sustainable they're more cost effective in the way that they go about energy and decarbonization but also it's about collaboration they're collaborative with it um and to get that i feel big part of the next challenge which is sort of what this is about and while we're very appreciative of your help is we need to get the word out there much more so so we need to start the campaigning bit much more and, you know, the bit that's unfamiliar to us, you know, is how to do it on social media, LinkedIn, you know, push all those buttons. Um, so for me, that's the big next step. Um, and so much to do, you know, which is why we're hugely appreciative of you supporting it, Paul, to and be then, honest. And then starting, know, and, yeah. the starting point, James, um, what's the website that we can promote today and now? Yeah, so the energyconsciousorganisation.org.uk. Um and um, so that's online. It's got a wealth of, uh, of resources on there. 14 case studies at the moment, um, learning CPD modules, I mentioned other resources and the like. Um, it is going through a little bit of iteration. There, there's a video on there that we've created yeah. that, um, that, you know, I think we can make more use of. Um, and that's designed for any energy specialist to use and promote them, you know, promote it through their own, you know, channels, ideally. Um so we are a we're a sort of a core team of of uh, of guys, and it's been great collaboration, to be honest. You know, some really good guys. You know, Esther, as you might, I think you're a member of Esther now, aren't you? Yes, Paul? I you know, remember. Esther, yeah, you know, and Esther's, they support us. You know, They're our partners regarding our certification work. Um, yes, I work and, very closely and, and, with and Mervyn. So, yeah, and the training that I do as well. You know, it's, it's yeah. Mervyn's very 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 keen on the training side of things, which I totally agree with um yeah. but there's some great guys across Esther, very experienced guys who really yeah. know their stuff so so we can draw on that but we need to i think we need more people involved in this you know more actively because we've got a sort of a core steering group 
um, which has been important to get the strategy right. But yeah. I think we're very much in the rollout phase now. You know, it needs we all we're very keen for it to be bigger and better, basically. You know, and um, will happen quicker. <laughs> and the right <laughs> things will happen. This, yeah. And the the answer from all of this will be the right things will be we'll all be able to make a difference from yeah. the outcomes of all of this. I think. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. I, yeah. I should change that word to. I don't think I know it will yeah. make a difference. Well, we, we've had our eyes opened to it, so we know. So we have that Tony Robbins certainty factor. Yeah, Excellent. that's the difference. For me, it comes down, and it's a natural human, ironically, it's natural human, you know, behavioural trait that's, yeah. that's the issue. You know, so we need to deal with that behavioural trait to make this happen for me. Brilliant. Um, James, what a great way to finish on that quote from Tony Robbins. And I'd like to say thank you very much. Um, firstly, for making me very jealous in the start, for saying where you are and the, the part of the world you are. And then secondly, for the, the inspiration I'm sure you're going to give to many people that are going to listen to this. So, James, thank you very much for coming along today and the interview. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for all your help, Paul. And, appreciated it. and lastly, you and your family, please be safe in these times. Yeah, thank you. And to you. Yeah, and to yours. 